Then there's a lot of like personal care to my emotions and I'm, I'm emotionally driven and that's not a bad thing. And to be sensitive is not a bad thing at all. Um, but to accept that that's my strength, to accept that that vulnerability and all those things that happen behind closed doors is actually my power, that is what's amazing. And I've only just realised that. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to introduce my next guest, the inimitable Pip Edwards. She's all the things Instagram and Google will tell you about her. Ex-Subi, Sassambai, General Pants. But in this episode of Offline, we get to hear from the real Pip. A mother, classically trained pianist, commerce law graduate, co-founder, and a woman who, after many years of living life for everyone else, is today sitting in her most powerful seat yet, her true feminine. Pip is impassioned, authentic, and one of a kind. She's got that special mix of charisma, spirit, and wisdom that can only come from surviving. I hope you can feel her energy because it took over the entire room. We recorded this at PE Nation HQ. Here's Pip and I for Offline. done a bit of a google oh god <laughs> it's so not entirely entirely true <laughs> no well, we've learned that much i've certainly learned that much um but there isn't actually much about your childhood or your story before i guess fashion mm. and i thought that could be an interesting place mm. for us to start what was your childhood like mm. well i'm an only child mm-hmm. um I, my parents had been quite late in life um my mother's palestinian um, and fiercely Palestinian. Um, my father's from New Zealand. Um, my mum worked in the banking industry um, all over the world. Uh, she worked f- for the Banque de Paris BNP in Paris and then got a transfer out to Australia, which is where she met my father, who's a lawyer. So they're quite academic. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there was obviously a lot of academic p- pressure growing up. Um and, um, yeah, it's just, you know, mum had me when she was 40. So, wow, yeah. You know, I love those stories because, mm. I mean, I'm only 33. Mm. But, you know, there's so much pressure. Yeah. And I love hearing those stories of women who have either by choice or not yeah. had babies later because you're like, come on, we've got There's still time. time. Yeah. There's still time. I mean, I'm, I'm pushing <laughs> 40. <laughs> 
close to enough. Um, and I know there'll be another round for me. I'm not worried. Mm. I think I think the worry is the problem. I know, and that's what stops it all from happening. So mm-hmm. you had quite a strong female role model. Mm. Yeah, I you know, it's it's an interesting um title to get because um my mother is really the strong female that I was up against uh growing up and she culturally uh you know was you know she was brought up along the Gaza strip she went to a boarding school she grew up in the war-torn times you know they fled um Palestine at the time and she moved to Egypt like she's got quite a a colorful uh kind of history um but the one thing is that she was always fighting to be herself and fighting to be a woman and would never be compromised as a woman. And it was quite amazing that that was her uh, attitude so, so early, early on. on. Yes. So she... Because that would have been very polarising Yep, then. she was in an arranged marriage, fled that. Like, I can't... She's she's quite the pioneer. Um, and she definitely instilled a lot of that in my growing up as being independent, being intelligent, uh, being opinionated with substance. Um, so that, that was my upbringing. <laughs> These are the stories that I want young women yeah. to hear because, you know, we've spoken about this before, but we're living these especially in our industry, right? These oh, highly stylized fo- lives. Fo- photo a photographic life oh, that man. really does um it's a false economy most well, of the time. Well, it doesn't do us justice is kind of what I'm yeah. concerned about is we don't ever talk about these stories about no. – I mean, it may be a little known fact that you have a commerce degree. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like there's yeah. this perception that we work in fashion and we just go to shows and – Yeah. And, and there's photo, that. Take and a like, photo. Take a photo then, <laughs> you know, go off wear, to our fancy really dinner. Wear awesome or, outfits. <laughs> um, no, so – you know, it was – she was definitely um, – I, I was definitely the overachiever growing up, going through school. The pressure was – like I – if I look back on it now, I'm, it was quite um, – it was a dictatorship in a way and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way but it really was. I had a very strict upbringing. Um, it was all about um, academia and music. I, I obviously – I got my MSA, I played the piano. I played for hours every day. Um, so that was a really big part of my training and my discipline. Um, you know, I smashed the HSC, did commerce law at Sydney Uni. Like I did all these things, um, but not f- not for me, mm. for them. So this is then. There's the turning point. Mm. Can we talk about the turning point? Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's kind of related to closer to PE times. Well, actually, probably right now as I go through, I'm still going through my. Um, self-discovery phase actually mm. right now um but i i i probably have lived a life only up until about six months ago where it was for everyone else it wasn't for me pe was the start of my life for me um but how profound yes no i know how poignant because mm. it's you know it's in the initials it's the one place p is the one place where i'm undeniably me no one can tell me not to be me. In fact, they encourage me to be me. Mm. And that was, that's what, why PE is actually quite powerful for me personally. Um, it's a safe place and that's probably why I'm a workaholic because I feel my best here. Yeah. I've only just worked that out, by the way. Mm. Um, 
And that's, again, <clears throat> just like such important context for young women who are trying to find their way in a world where mm. the bar is set so high. And part of that is us. And I keep saying that uh, even as a publisher, like I set the bar every day, every time. Well, we I, are our know. own worst critic, best critic, you know, goes in and out of that. I think the beauty of what PE, the timing of it is that um, I have done a number of career changes and moves and I actually learnt along the way and I'm putting into practice Everything. what I've learnt. Mm. So it's not an overnight success and, and, and you can say the same for Claire as well. We're, the, we're very much parallel in that sense that our history and our working history and our experience um, has, has – um, you know, guarded us with the right tools mm, to, to, do, to, to do this. I'm not saying we get it right every time, but we have a fair idea of the, the industry and how it works and process um, and then know that, you know, know to play to your strengths and know the weaknesses and, you know, get the right team. Mm. But that comes with experience and that comes with working knowledge um, across the board, you know, be it a big corporate or a small defined brand or design driven or mass market like we've 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 dabbled in all those kind of areas within fashion so mm. can we talk briefly about the roles that you held prior to this because mm. I think that would be interesting context yeah. and then also maybe that transition out of sort of smashing the HSE doing law <laughs> and then you went into what was quite a sort of heavy and sweaty fashion world I have to yeah, say like I when I even look back on those times and I wasn't actively in it yeah it looked hard and fast Crazy. and late nights and a Fear lot of loathing in Las Vegas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um was that like I, I don't want to call it a rebellion of sorts but no that was the greatest learning ever yeah I'd like to know like at what point did you sort of enter that maybe darker world of fashion <laughs> And was that rebellion for you or were you, yeah? So I, after uni, um, I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers for three years and I was there in risk management, corporate restructuring. And risk I management? I uh, mean, like what? Yeah, <laughs> I, wore a, I wore a suit um, but I was very always flamboyant with my hair. Um, so that started early on as well. Um, I was happy there but I really was ticking a box for my parents and um, my love for fashion was just so clear. It was obvious to the whole office that I um, at the time, you know, I was had met all my friends were in fashion. So I did make this, the switch um, to, go, to move to Subi. Um, obviously such a different skill set um, mm. that I actually started at Subi um, as Dan's PA. Wow. <laughs> My title was, um, I mean, legendary secretary. Um, <laughs> at, at the time, that made sense. Um, but so I really did jump, and my, my parents, you know, were quite concerned. I was on quite the tra trajectory at PwC. I'd, I'd carved quite a path there, um, and there was quite a bright future. But it didn't, it didn't speak to me, or and perhaps you proved that you could, and you did. So thank you, and well, then now on to I the just, passion. I, it was the start of. The journey of me. Um, so I moved to Subi um, and then quickly moved into the PR team and, and kind of set that up and ran that up because it was kind of on and off and all a bit, it was, a, you know, the structure wasn't super their forte <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, what a fantastic business to work for um, and to learn from pure creatives. They were purists. They didn't compromise. 
it was all – I learned a lot about branding and brand and community and lifestyle and how to create context, mm. you know, and that's and a definitely – in set, a way. Yeah, Subi and the beauty – I mean, the beauty was that Subi, you know, I guess because they had such a active nightlife as well, you know, they were quite um, in demand in terms of product and elite in kind of their positioning – but they were accessible by the mass because they because of the DJing and the parties and so it was it was a really exciting time, and I guess I was quite in the bubble there. I didn't even realize what I was in or what that everything else revolved around that. Um, so, do you look back on those times with sort of fond memories? Absolutely, I loved I loved every minute there, and you know forged some incredible friendships. Um, Produced the love of my life, my son, Justice, who serves me every day. Mm. So it's a, a very special time. Um, and I did, I learned, it was that they were able to teach me a lot about the practical side of fashion. Obviously, I didn't have um, any, you know, for, formal skill in, in fashion, um, but I, um, I knew exactly what I wanted to wear, how to wear it. I was going to say, those I things. think fashion's innate for you in yeah. that sense. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. but uh, growing up while I was at uni, I did work at Marks and um, I actually worked in the head office there. So in my like off days of uni and I actually assisted Mark Keary in setting up the diffusion line there for Baby Doll, and I was the fit model and the muse and all those things. So my wow. practical knowledge came from being around product and understanding that physically not at school mm. and then you fuse that obviously with commercial knowledge that mm, oh, some commerciality knowledge. you know it kind of works and then having an innate I think having an innate sense of self always I just not always actually that's a lie uh, pretty strong idea of my own aesthetic mm. I'd say um, it all kind of comes mm. from that. Can I just ask you, this is actually not on my list of questions, but it's <laughs> come into my head. Yeah. With the hair. Oh, God. I, I know. know. But, like, I just wonder, like, you know, there's that whole concept of, yes, like impersonation can be really flattering. But did you at oh, times just feel like this is really yeah, do you know annoying? What? <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the whole reason why the balayage fucking started was because I fell pregnant. I used to dye my blonde to the roots and the – they, you know, they say you can't dye your roots blonde while you're pregnant. So mm. I let my roots grow out. That's actually what fucking happened. <laughs> and then suddenly there's a hair movement and then Vogue called it the pip or something. And I was like, fuck. Um, and what happened was I tried many times to have a different hair colour and it didn't work. <laughs> and I'm, I was stuck with it. I love it, but it's me. But, yeah, it's funny because sometimes I know people when we go out or something, I'd see girls from behind and freak out because I'd that was me. I thought it was me. Yeah. Or my friends would think it's me and it's not. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. I just wonder what that feels like to be impersonated by hundreds of women. Is it Sydney exclusive, do you think, or do you, did you kind of travel around no, and see at one room? point I haven't checked. Um, there was at a, it was at a height, ago, yeah. Yeah, if you typed in the word balayage into Google, uh, a pic- my picture would come up wow. for sure. Um, I don't know where we're at with that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone cares. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, flattery is fine. I, I just feel that people should do what's right for them. What's mm. funny is when people maybe copy a hairstyle or a look that doesn't actually suit mm. their colouring or who they are. The thing with my hair is that I've got dark 
olive skin and I'm tonal. So it, it – and it offsets mm. that – it's – it's really down to your own colouring and that's where people really need to take note of actually who they are. I know. And this is the whole reason for the podcast to exist. Mm. It's getting to know the women behind what we see on social mm. media so that other women can learn oh. about their own unique female codes and developing their own sense of self. Sense of self. Because right I mean, now – I, I, I'm nearly 40. I'm still working it out. But <laughs> um, it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> And then after Subi, you went oh, to Sassambide. Um, yeah, I, I had a little six-month break um, and I did a lot of styling. Um, I was a, a freelance stylist and then uh, I got and then I started working at Sassambide as senior creative and accessories designer and I was there for five years and that's actually where I met Claire um, oh. from my business partner and we sat next to each other for the whole time and just clicked on a work level also personally but very much so on a work level in terms of design eye and aesthetic and what we appreciate so that was a really nice way to meet my future business partner did you know then no 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 towards the end i mean we were so in sync the whole time that we knew we wanted to do something but we didn't know what that was and and it wasn't like a let's go and find it i after sass and bite um I moved I went to General Pants and she went off to have two kids. Mm. So, you know, life moved on. Um and then so then I went to General Pants and I was design director there for nearly three and a half years. Because um, you had some stints then, like you've been in those roles. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I was there for five. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I did mm. I I, I, I did my time. Did the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had my stripes. Um General Pants was, I mean, Sass and Bide, if I go back to that, was amazing for this, uh, that the womanhood and the allowing the pure creative to flow. So where Subi was about branding mm. um, and understanding context and lifestyle, Sass and Bide was about where to draw inspiration from, how to take things out of context and reappropriate them and learning colours and stuff like that. Um and those girls were just magic, mm. you know. It was magic. Um, probably will never be replicated again. I don't think so. Um, Which in is any the best brand, thing. really. They yeah. had. They really. They really had a beautiful dynamic, um, and we felt it, mm. you know. And that's the point. I, there was lots of feeling mm. at Sassamite, and that's kind of something I'm trying to carry into this business: feeling mm. to mm. feel, because that's what clothes are. How how do they make you feel? Mm. And then GP must have been was, hardcore operating. Yeah, experience. well, I was thrown in the deep end there, to be honest. Like, I mean, I might, I might know my numbers and stuff a little bit, but <laughs> um, I'd never worked under such a corporate structure or really accountable for that bottom line. I'm um, dissecting it and a national mass business. So, what, mm. it, what does everybody want to wear? Not just what, what does the fashion set want to wear? Everybody, the everyday person, mm. um, and possibly the best experience for me was. Um, my CEO at the time sent me out to all the different stores to learn the demographics and that was the eye-opener. I was like, hang on a second, we're sitting in our ivory tower designing for these people but they're not the people. Not the people. Who, who are these people? What do they do? Find out what they do, where they want to go, why they're purchasing, what are they purchasing for? You know, and that, that was just brilliant. Mm. I mean… It's I, actually the biggest lesson I learned in publishing and yeah, I always say customer? this. But to the team like… 
we are an exception to every single rule. Mm. You are not writing for yourself what you're interested in and mm. don't fucking start a story with, if you're anything like us, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> um, but the thing is, they're everyday people yeah. and what and we're everyday people. Like what, what do we need every day? And that, you know, that has a lot, that has a commercial, that has commercial longevity, um, that, you know, that, uh, that relates to people, it relates to their life. And I think that was part of the essence of PE was like the, the, the clencher is what do you need every day that is, yeah, ticks the fashion box but it's functional, performance, comfortable that you can wear every fucking day. Mm. Well, you've done it, mate. <laughs> well, we're trying. <laughs> no, you're, you've done it. Um, and as we sit here surrounded by the product, <laughs> um, you know, you're different and I love that you've said that word. I know that's quite. It's yeah. Quite a. It's a. It's a really good word. I'd like to talk about yeah. it for a second. Because you're. Be it's subtle, but then, it's also very clear. Yes. Your the stamp. Yeah. The, the signature. Yeah. The but aesthetic. even you, as a woman today, mm. like you've spoken a bit already about really getting to know yourself through mm. the business, which I think, mm. fuck, that's powerful. Mm, but I've not, I've just. What happened? I just realised that. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I've, I've really gone inside. Mm. Um, I've really centred. I've really regrouped. Um, Was there a there's moment a lot of, that made you do that? Yeah, or? there's a lot of moments. There's a lot of personal moments. There's a lot of, you know, single mum moments and what comes with that. There's a lot of responsibility moments. Um, then there's a lot of like personal care to my emotions and I'm, I'm emotionally driven. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And to be sensitive is not a bad thing at all. Um, but to accept that that's my strength, to accept that that vulnerability and all those things that happen behind closed doors is actually my power, that is what's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I've only just realised that. Yeah. Pip is a different woman today. It's subtle but then also extremely clear when you're with her in person. What you're hearing is the conviction of a woman sitting in her power, which is in fact her feminine. I asked Pip to unpack that for us, how she redirected the masking with masculinity to come into her grace, something she says she's still working on. So this is the thing. It's like I'm so masculine in everything I do. I run my life like a man. I run my household like a man. I'm, I am the mother and the father to my child. I have been brought up to be independent, fiercely independent to the detriment of any boyfriend I've ever had. I dress like a tomboy. I've taken it to the nth degree. My mother always was of a lineage that basically girls weren't, you know, accepted really in the family and that the reason why her grandmother didn't like her was because she was a girl. And so there's, I, there's a... There's a real strong message of this masculinity. And masking your feminine. Yes. And so I've never – I didn't like pink and I would never bloody wear a tutu and I'm just not that girl and I'll always be a boy to the point where I lost my grace. Mm. I lost my softness. Mm. And in fact, I'm super soft. Mm. So beautiful. Mm. And I know Pilates has been... Well, that's the thing. So I had... I've got to get back into that. I had, <laughs> I had an injury. Um, and I, some would say it was an emotional one, but it was an actual physical one, but it was emotionally driven. Um, and I, I couldn't move my shoulder for a couple of months and I was on a lot of medication. I went to Cairo, physio, osteo, you name it, nothing, nothing worked. 
Because um, that's the interesting it, thing about injury and pain. It's not until you're in it that you realise how bad it is, paralyzing it can be, and that it consumes all of your oh, thoughts. I was not. Yeah. A, I was not okay. Yeah, and I went to to so many. Um, I just I just saw so many specialists and nothing worked. And then someone suggested that I go to fluid form because she um, Kirsten's really great at rehab um, Pilates, and I love Pilates. And she, like within the month, she got me mobile. But what it did was, it played like I I used to train hardcore, like hit you know high intensity and weights and la 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 la. But that was that was almost aggravating or kind of stirring up my masculinity still, mm, like pumping it all up. And so Pilates brought a a, a, a grace about my training. A, 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 uh, what do you call it? Um, I had to watch my poise. Mm. Like everything about Pilates was based in in your female organs, based in your pelvic floor, connecting to your inner self mm. to hold strong, not your head, mm. sometimes your heart, but mainly your female organs to hold your strength, to hold your core. And if you think about it, oh it, my God. it resonates beyond. The physical mm. and the way we walk, just the way into we hold, hold ourselves. Mm. And, but to know that I'm strong, I'm so strong from my core. That's my strength. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is you're in the peak mental and physical fitness, and I can imagine the marrying of those two things together. It must be a feeling of just being unstoppable in a lot of ways. And to your point sitting in femininity and yourself well, as I'm well. I'm still wow. learning how to sit in my feminine. I don't hold enough space for that. Mm. So that's something I'm still working on. What I, do you do out of interest to work on that? Are you quite spiritual or? I don't, it's a funny word that. Mm. I, I, and, you know, for years I, I, didn't, I didn't even like the word meditation. I don't like these words that have connotations. It's more it's more centering. I read, I read books. I listen to audio books that resonate with what I'm going through, and there are obviously there's two two massive ones that I reread. Obviously, you know the power of now. Everyone knows that one. But until you read that, when your timing is right, it makes no yeah. fucking sense. And I've had that book in my house. My father gave it to me 15 years ago, and it was sitting in my bookshelf. I tried mm-hmm. to read it, made no sense. It is my it is my Bible by my bedside mm-hmm. because. It is, it is just – it is everything. And then I was literally listening to a podcast with him on my way here because that um, that way of thinking and being in the world helps me get into this. Yeah. Well, this is that what I need to be. But this know. is all of it, you yeah. know, true self, inside. Like I've spent enough time and wasted energy on, on the noise outside. Mm. I have gone through the ringer. I have – I have changed my way, forgotten who, what I want to serve the noise. Mm. It's not for me. No. It's – And, um, uh, yeah, you know what? You might now call it a selfish. Well, it's right. It's deserved. <laughs> it's not no, even selfish. It's like so much conviction in what you're saying. It's like – and I'm sorry, but at this point in your life, now is the time to be mm. selfish because as women we just well, give I'm and give and give. in my prime. Let me be. Yeah. Let me be in my prime. Yeah. Fuck off. I've been banging on a bit about this lady boss narrative. A big part of my ambition with Offline is to help evolve it. I'm not sure it's serving us anymore and perhaps it's even making us feel more insecure than before. 
not successful enough because if founding a multi-million dollar business is the bar, then most of us are screwed. I put this to Pip and I asked her to share her experiences in life that have shaped her because I think success is a byproduct of hardship, of struggle and survival. A business idea is just that, an idea. You need a backbone to execute it. What are some of the big moments in your life that drive this? Yeah, or that help shape the woman you are. I mean, oh, obviously, justice God, is son, a huge one. He just, he just is the only one, mm. you know. And I think, you know, I had him uh, when I was twenty-five, and I was in the thick of the Subi glory days. And you know, it was, it's been such a journey raising him, an amazing one, and one that initially probably I didn't handle very well in the early stages I don't think I I think I was very young and oblivious to and and maybe because I was a single mum I I I felt a a little bit burdened and I was a victim to the situation Mm. um it's when I was able to turn that around and realize he he is my anchor he is my support he is my best friend my son my roommate my fucking joy Mm. um and now that he's 12 and phenomenal, it's like a gift. those, yeah, it is, it is. Mm. And it, there was like a good decade of, it's tough, it's mm. tough. You pay yeah. the bills, you got to pay the bills, keep the house going, mm. make a survival, have some kind of social life, try and balance out, you know, having a relationship, not having a relationship. It's like, it's, mm. the struggle is real. But it's important to to the sweetness now. Mm. It's kind of I I always like hesitate to comment on motherhood because oh, no, you know you as go a for it but like I don't you know have a baby but a, no. an amazing desire and um, excitement for that chapter in my life. But it seems to me to be ultimately the biggest sacrifice. Mm. But what you get back in return for those perhaps years where there it is a lot of giving out mm. and then now when you're getting it back, back. it must just be tenfold. Oh, it's super rewarding and, I mean, he's just at an age now where, you know, he's a mini adult so you yeah. can it, you can really rationalise with him and talk with him quite How are you thinking deep. about teenage years? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, you know, girls have started to creep up in the conversation and I'm just but like, you look oh, my God, are man. we there? Are we there? Um, but I, I do, I will hold my hand up and say, uh, I, I definitely played to the hardship a little bit too long, Mm. a little bit too long. I, I didn't have the confidence to snap out of it. Um, but it's definitely the driver. Mm. It's the big driver for me every day. Um, and, and a great driver and a hard driver, you know, you know, survival. Mm. And it is. is survival is a big one um and I always say to him you know it's just us Mm. it's for us yeah so I take him on the journey and he completely respects and understands if I have to travel or something Mm. because any other time he's right by my side well this is again like I bring it back to the reason I'm you know, I spent a lot of time developing this podcast concept because yes. I was saying to you a lot of people expected me to do digital strategy or yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do all the girl bosses. It's like I could not be more repulsed by either of those things <laughs> actually. You know, it's what you do for a living. It's not necessarily what you want us or to talk it about. It doesn't define your, you. 
No, and I've spent so much time, particularly in the last 12 months, I guess, going on my own self-journey, trying mm. to unwed myself from mm. shiny digital publisher, yes. Alison, and into true self, Alison. Woman. Yeah, and like inserting my stuff into conversations because, you know. Well, that was always behind what you did. It's yeah. just that it was, you know. But when everyone thinks you've got it so together and you're so successful, you can't turn up to coffee and be like, well, this is fucked and on. Well, I've started to. Yeah. You know. Oh, me too. And that's been the biggest joy. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. I'm not great. Yeah. I've got X, Y and Z going on. Yeah. And sitting in that. this and. Yes, I'll put on a face and mm. yes, I'll go to an event, but I'm pretty raw these days. Mm. I did um, a year of therapy mm. and it was amazing, complex, yeah. disarming. I, 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 I mean, I, I obviously see a plethora of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't, it's like, I said this to my girlfriend actually, it's like when you're fit, when, you, when you're getting fit, right? When you're in peak performance and you're looking fucking hot, mm. do you stop training? No. No. So therapy, mm. it's not just a one hit. It, it's a constant. Yeah. It's, you've got to constantly work at it. I'm not going to stop mm. learning about me just because I think I've got it together. Or And you still don't. And that's and when the wheels go off a bit, I think, you know. I mean, yeah, and now that I've kind of engaged a few different kinds of therapy, yeah, um, I feel I've got a more holistic approach that I can – I just take bits that resonate, yep. you know, and it's like it's like, like reading that. a it's like reading a book on anything. Yeah, it yeah. it it should be a way Some of stuff life. Sticks and resonates, and yeah. other stuff not so much. One of the biggest things she taught me, you know, and there were sessions where I was like, yeah, not really getting much out of this. Um, she called me on my bullshit early because I got so used to presenting, presenting myself that she was like, all right, so what's this, and can we switch it off, wow. and get into true self mode? Yeah. Um, and she said to me, I need you to be comfortable sitting in your shadow self. So all the parts of yourself that maybe totally. there's guilt, there's a bit of ugliness there. We can just stay in there for this whole session and you've got to be okay with that. But I'm so used to brushing that under. Oh, we all are. I know. We all, you know, package it in a box, forget it exists. Yeah. Um, but it, it comes up in other ways, you know. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, to sit in my feminine, but it also mean I also need to sit in the, I mean, I don't even like the word pain anymore. I mm. think pain's a judgment. It's not about judging. I think just to sit in your emotion. Yeah, and accept Which it. generally is pain. <laughs> um, no, but just to sit in what you're feeling. And if mm. you can sit with what you're feeling, you'll actually deal with it and work through it. And you come out the other side. Mm. I mean, it doesn't change the situation, but you can actually handle it. Mm. It's when you um, forget or ignore yeah. the feeling. And that's one of the biggest lessons in the power of now, isn't mm. it, is the moment you actually can almost speak to your own subconscious and say, I've identified what that is. the thought or the pain. I like You're it when miles says, ahead. you use your mind because it's your mind. Like We can all make shit up and believe it. Um, or interpret the bullshit or misinterpret, you know, um, but play it like an instrument. Mm. So you pick it up and you play it, but then you put it down because you don't play an instrument all day, every day. So use that. That's so like good. your mind. Yeah, it's really good. So good. What is your relationship with Instagram and how does it make you feel? It's a funny one, actually. It's a tug of war for me. Obviously, it's it's got, you know, business, uh, a business aspect to it and it's commercial, like, you know, I'm obviously selling product at some point, but the reality of that is that Pete, Pete, like the product is my life, so I'm quite happy with that. I'm not, I don't, 
you know, I'm, I kind of own that. I live it and breathe it. Um, I do like to involve justice in my Instagram as a reminder that I have that going on in the background because some people can forget. Um, or there are some vocal people that like to have a comment about that too. Um, What's that? Oh, they, they, they try to tell me that I'm a part-time parent. I'm like pretty sure I'm full-time actually. And running a business. Thank pretty you. sure it's full-time. You just don't see it because you can't see it all the time. The thing with Justice is that he doesn't want to feature on it. Mm. You know, so there's that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I do the, – the, the thing with my Instagram, it's photos on my phone. It is, it is that. It is, as, it is as candid and as raw and as real as, as, as what I'm doing. Yeah, you're so, not hiring photographers and getting them no, to shoot you. No, no, no. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I do think there is – I mean, I'd love to show more of the real deal, but it is, you know, it, 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 would, be, it would be a turn off half the time. I've said this particularly with um, women who Instagram makes up an enormous part of their business mm. and how they make money – I'm sorry, but like clients aren't going to like you complaining about your, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's branding in a it's, way. It's more, yeah, it is branding. I, I guess it's it's more, it's just snippets of actually what's going on. Just they, but they need to, the audience need to remember that in between those photos is a hell of a lot more, mm. you know? And I think people forget, they only judge on what they, what I put up. And sometimes I, I, I'm forced to put something up if I haven't put something up for a couple of days. Like I'm kind of in that zone, but um I like it because I control it mm. and that's what I like about it. Yeah. And it's very, um, you know, it, it's not it's not my income stream. No. Instagram's not. Um, it's more I've been able to personify the brand mm. um, Which and express myself. Which is a lot of yes. ways. Yeah. yeah. So you see it on, on my channel quite differently to how you see it on the business channel. Mm. Um, and I think it's important because it's actually how it's functional, how mm. it's actually working and weaving into my lifestyle. Um, do you um, pay much attention to other people on Instagram? I've spoken a lot hell about yeah. comparison. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm about to go on digital detox at a health retreat. <laughs> I mean, I need it. Um, yeah. It's a problem. Like I, I wish I – I'm learning to put the phone down more, you know, but I, it's part of – it's part of – um, you know, I guess you could call it market research or See, competitive. I've always said that about com- publishing. Competitor like, analysis. You've got to know. And I've got to know what they're doing out there and what the brands. It's better than the news. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely more sometimes. Um, more and it's, it's more instant than, you, than news. You've just got to sift through the shit. Yeah. I have a final question that I'm asking every guest. Pretty expansive. Okay. So don't feel like you have to know how to answer oh, straight away. Or maybe you will. I don't know. I have been sort of um, paraphrasing this with I don't know if I know the answer yet to mine and I've been, I guess, kind of learning from other people and I'm getting closer to my own definition. But as you think about true self, so if you remove the labels, remove co-founder, remove mum, influencer, fashion, the pip hair, all the stuff, when you're sitting in your true self, who are you? Mm. Fuck. So I had that moment yesterday actually because I don't often get to sit with myself and I was child-free, dog-free. Um, dog-free, very important. Do- dog, yes. <laughs> That's also a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we never got a dog. Um, and normally I'd rely on, you know, seeing friends, calling people just to 
fill in the time and I did. I sat with myself and I bawled my eyes out to Dirty Dancing. Um, and you know what I thought about the whole time? The yearning to feel. And I keep saying this, but it was so crazy. Everything that was happening around me, it was feeling. And I think it was telling me to feel. Mm. And I think that says a lot about um, Instagram and what we do every day and that we might have lost the sense of feeling. Mm. And allowing yourself the space and time to go there emotionally mm. and not to be scared of what to you're going to find when I, you get there. I might there. be an extrovert on every sense, like on every mm. aspect, but I think I'm quite introverted when it comes to dealing mm. with all the things. <laughs> massive list of things mm. <laughs> well I have to thank you for being on my podcast oh You've thank you so much for having me very honest sorry to drown you in clothes it's fine <laughs> I'm like surrounded by your masterpieces <laughs> so we're talking about your success around your success um but yeah I thank you very much for sharing my pleasure thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. <laughs>